We all know this is an unprecedented time in our history. We really want to solve some problems. Hello, everybody. This is Mike Schiff, president of Teneo Hospitality Group. We wanted to take an opportunity to share some thoughts from a panel of industry experts. We're excited to have this group with us to get everybody's uh, thoughts together as to how we can manage in this most difficult time. This is an unprecedented time, not only as a country and a world, but within the hospitality industry. So really kind of relying on everybody's knowledge and insight is something that we wanted to put together as a company. And the other part of it is we have a lot of stakeholders within our organization, and we think it's important for our clients and our members to really know kind of what others are saying out there so that we can take the best practices that we can learn from and really take a step forward every day as uh, as we continue through the coronavirus crisis. The other part of it is this is one of those situations where we're all looking for a little bit more visibility. We're all looking for more opportunity to learn and grow. And at the end of the day, we wanted to convene this kind of group of experts to really talk about how to solve some of these problems. And in turn, that's going to help clients and our member hotels and DMCs alike. So without further ado, please allow me to introduce our esteemed panel. So first up is James Daniels. James Daniels is president and CEO of The Meeting Designers, an event management company. James has over 25 years of experience in the hospitality industry. Cheryl Williams is the vice president of sales and marketing at Highgate Hotels in Hawaii with oversight of seven hotels, including the Halohilani Resort Waikiki Beach. Joan Ortlicker has been in the meetings industry for 30 years, beginning with her college days at the University of Texas, working part-time at the school's conference center. Joan has worked in all areas of the industry, corporate, incentive, association, DMC, and special events. And last but certainly not least is Lisa Messina. Lisa is Caesars Entertainment Vice President of Sales in Las Vegas, who's responsible for leading Caesars Entertainment sales strategy for meetings and events globally. Lisa has over 20 years of leadership experience at global hospitality brands and was most recently Executive Director in Intermediate Group Sales at Hilton Worldwide, leading a team of sales directors and managing key intermediary customers. I'm Mike Schiff. I'm the uh, president of Teneo Hospitality Group, and I've been doing this in, for 30 years in various roles with companies like Marriott and Hilton. I also established a uh, small consulting company 10 years ago, and now recently with uh, Teneo for five and a half years. We are excited to get this rolling, so I will uh, ask my first question to James Daniels. And James, it seems like each day things are changing and we are amid a very fluid environment. Can you tell us what is taking place at meeting designers in terms of your client meetings, how far out they are canceling, where they are booking them, and what really is your current situation? As I'm sure is the case with everybody out there, our status and situation changes weekly, daily, hourly, no matter which organization we're working with. First, we are working with organizations that have kind of a philosophy that ranges the political spectrum. So it's been interesting to see that at the end of the day, how they're moving forward is pretty common. The majority of our clients are still in a wait and see mode. We have experienced cancellations and rebookings for programs that were to take place beginning in March all the way through now, December. We have a couple of events that are still hanging on for the first part of July, 
but as each day comes closer, those are now in negotiations for rebookings or to see if they can just wait and see and execute force majeure for those meetings as well. We have a couple that attempted to rebook their programs from March and April into July and August. Those are kind of in the same situation where it's a wait and see, a holding pattern to see if they now need to reschedule or flat out cancel those programs. In regards to meetings that are not affected yet, our November, our October, November, December meetings seem to be kind of in a holding pattern. What we're finding is they're not doing a lot of pre-planning for those meetings. They're just holding and they are also revamping and re-strategizing their 2020 meeting schedules to see how that affects 2021. The common theme we're finding with all of our clients is that their focus right now is on how to get their employees and how to get their customers back at their desks in their offices and not back into hotel room beds. Wow. Okay. Well, that that's certainly interesting. Encouraging, I think, to hear that October, November are at least in a holding pattern, and we want to get our teams back into business with July and August being opportunities where waiting for some more visibility and trying to figure out what's in store. So, James, thank you. That's very interesting. Joan, based on James's answer, how has your experience been? What are the differences or similarities that you're seeing? It's different in that we're an association, and so all the meetings are originate with us. We normally have about 200 meetings a year. 5%, no, 10% are conferences, and about 7% are international. And we were lucky enough, the, the spring is our busiest time, and we were lucky enough to get a few of the major meetings off in January, February. But as of March 1st through the end of May, we had to cancel 78 meetings. It was it was tough, very tough. The majority were rebooked for next year. The the ones that were already booked for next year, we either just had to cancel them or are looking at future years. And we are going week by week on this. We have another 130 meetings on the books and it's not looking good. When you're an association, our products is insurance, life insurance, and other financial services. So it's not like a pharmaceutical that's introducing a new product. So it's, it's gonna be hard to get people to reconvene. However, and we'll probably get into this later, we are doing a huge amount of virtual meetings and my team and I are becoming virtual meeting experts right now. I think we're hearing quite a bit of that, that most organizations are rebooking the things that canceled or they couldn't find availability or maybe that was a one-time meeting or they couldn't move a future meeting. They had to cancel that meeting. So that, I think we're seeing that across the board. The virtual meeting component is interesting. And I think for us, trying to get some best practices along the lines of what specific organizations are doing for virtual meetings is going to be a value to share with other clients and hotels alike. So that's all very interesting, Joan, and thank you for that. And just a question now for Lisa. You know, we can imagine that Caesars Entertainment has been hit in a very, very significant way. Can you share with us some of the best practices that you and your team are deploying in working with cancellations and rebookings? And then how have you been able to satisfy the needs of your organizations and, and your clients through all this kind of chaos? Well, never in all my years would I have ever expected to see the strip 
go dark. So that in and of itself has been a once in a lifetime moment, I pray. <laughs> but we know we'll, uh, we'll be Vegas strong and we'll get back to business. But what's unique about Caesars Entertainment is we are categorized as a casino and gaming company company, not a hospitality company. So we were bucketed very differently when the federal government decided to do shutdowns and we were an automatic shutdown where hospitality and hotels were not necessarily. And we'll have different regulations when we go to reopen as well. All that being said, we do about 15,000 meetings and conferences across our 29 hotels uh, in North America. And we have experienced about 10% of those events have canceled thus far. It's a significant chunk of revenue. They come in buckets, Mike. So really we had uh, the customers that were very uh, quick to respond before any you know, CDC travel warnings were uh, put out before the federal government made any restrictions. Customers who may naturally be risk adverse had made calls early to cancel or postpone their events. We then had a combo of them plus other customers that had to cancel because our casinos were closed. And now we've got about 25% of those transactions are customers for the future, meaning post what our scheduled reopen date is. So anything at this point, June 1 and, and beyond. Everything we've been trying to do with about 1,500 cancellations has been to try and help understand the customer's business if we didn't already. Some customers just are risk adverse. And like, if I'm a corporation, I'm gonna be very unlikely to postpone my meeting right now with all the unknowns and dictate that an employee needs to travel and go to my meeting. Association customers that we work with are a little bit more unique because their annual meeting tends to be a revenue generating component, if not the biggest revenue generating component of their organization. And therefore, uh, they're doing what they can, depending on their vertical market, to reschedule. So we've been trying to be as high flexible, the, the highest level of flexibility possible so that we can take care of our customers. We're in the we're in the hospitality business, we're in the meetings business, we're not in the cancellation collections business. We've probably had less than 20 customers who just outright didn't wanna work with us. They didn't wanna to try to rebook, they didn't wanna to try to postpone, they didn't wanna provide an out year contract or something of that nature. And so that, again, less than 20 out of 1500 are dealing with me and our legal team. But aside from that, I think we've been trying, I think we have tried to balance the needs of our organization. Uh, and not make us broke over this, but at the same time, not put that financial burden or other risk factors all on our customers either. So I'm happy to say that so far, it's been a good balance. Excellent. You know, it's kind of interesting. On one hand, when you hear 15,000 meetings and you hear the word 10%, you're saying, oh, you know, that's not so bad, but 1,500 meetings, it's a lot of meetings. And to only have 20 out of 15,000 meetings that are really in a place where it's contentious is amazing. And I think for members and clients, the approach of collaboration is really understanding what both the hotel slash casino DMC is seeking as well as the client and maybe the client's client and to put our heads together to figure out a solution that makes sense for everybody, knowing this is a tough situation. So I think that's fantastic. It's good for our members and clients to know that. Lisa, and thank you. You know, Cheryl, in Hawaii, it's a very different place in the sense that you must have a lot of unique perspective there where the types of meetings are much more incentive focused and those with business and a leisure component. How have you been successful with rebooking events 
And are there some best practices that you can share that you've utilized that are perhaps different than what Lisa and her team are doing? Hawaii is, of course, unique. You need an air seat in order to get here. So our business is very dependent on how the air seats go is how our business flows here. And since mid-March, we have had 100% of our groups canceled. So we've had March, April, May, and and now a good part of June with no group business on the book. So again, that's just the nature of the destination. We do have a 14-day quarantine mandatory for any visitors coming in. Even returning residents coming into the state of Hawaii have to go through a 14-day quarantine. They cannot leave their house. You cannot leave your hotel room. So it's been very, very strict here, which has uh, really affected our business. But how are we dealing with it? We can't, you know, we really can't change what we can't change. So I'm very fortunate that we've been able to keep a crew of professional sellers on board to handle all of the cancellations, stay close to the customer, stay connected. And I'm happy to report that over 80% of the business has either been postponed till later this year or is rebooking for next year. So some of the best practices that we've deployed are pretty simple. You might see my sign in the back here. I have fun, interesting, and easy. Those are the three key things that we focus on as a team. And really part of that is, again, just really staying close and connected with all of our customers, making it easy to rebook. So a lot of what we've been doing is, I think one of the biggest challenges is deciding on new dates. The levels of approval within organizations are much bigger now, maybe than they used to be. And so it's hard to settle on new dates. And so one of the things that we have done here is rather than cancel and rebook, we've issued addendums with a choice of dates. And so we've given our clients three or four options. We send the addendum. They click off the box. We give them two or three weeks to decide. And we don't try and change anything on the contract since they've already signed. Now, many are coming back renegotiating the deal. We, even for customers that are moving to next year, we've we've really tried to keep the deal as close as possible to what we already had, again, to make it easy to sign. And so as a result, we've had 80% rebook or commit to rebook and have an addendum on their desk right now to sign. You know, being prepared with unique um, and creative solutions and, and providing options that are going to work for both of us, I think has been key to our success there. And what's interesting in Hawaii, half of our business is international and most of that is coming from Asia. And so what an incentive program looks like coming from Asia is much different from what an incentive program looks like coming from North America, as an example. So a lot of the incentive business that we have coming from there is company-sponsored trip, but they're more like an FIT incentive. So what they do is a company will block a series of dates, and they might block 20 to 25 rooms over specific arrival and departure dates. Then the, uh, the winner of the trip can choose when they want to come and they bring a guest. So those are sometimes a little bit more difficult to work with in terms of uh, rebooking. But again, we've made it as easy as possible to, to book an FIT incentive with us. And again, being very flexible on the terms 
and conditions to get those rebookings. And again, I'm happy to say that not as high from Asia, but at least 60% of that business has been rebooked with us. Well, that's great news. 80% of those events with a 14-day quarantine, that's really tricky. And hopefully as time goes on, that opportunity goes away because obviously that will make meetings that much more challenging. But, you know, it's an interesting best practice out there in the sense that, you know, you're making it as easy as you possibly can to rebook the event by giving people date options that they can choose from. So that's interesting and, you know, effective. And that kind of puts in the hands of the event planner something that they can go back to talk to their executives with or their their client with and, and have some options that make sense. So appreciate that, Cheryl. Thank you. You know, Joan, is there any appetite right now for the new events that are not on the 20 calendar? Yes. The answer is yes. We do have some. It's been a little difficult getting in touch with salespeople. We also have found that pricing has escalated and that worries us because we don't know if committing now to, in some cases, 25 to 30% more than it was this year, um, if that's wise. And so that's actually been a deterrent. You know, we understand the hotel's you know, they don't know what food costs are going to be. It could be a problem. They have to make up, you know, for all this loss, but we we just don't know if we're going to be able to assume those kind of costs. So that's been putting us off. Mm-hmm. You know, the contracts that we already had that we just postponed, pretty much like Lisa said, in fact, I think one was with, with Lisa. So basically, Lisa, Joan was not one of the 20 out of 15,000. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, so that, that's a very interesting point, uh, Joan, that you make that, you know, A, with all this, there are staffing limitations at the properties that make it somewhat of a challenge. And I think, you know, hotels are trying to figure out the new normal as it relates to the cost of what it, it takes to put on a meeting, it, not only from a food cost and a hard cost, but also from a labor cost, knowing that there are going to be more people required. So I think this is something that you're you're calling out there that's interesting and one that we continue to update as we learn more. So James, having said that, what is your outlook for new events? And when, based on what you're seeing, do you think do you have any visibility right now when you see things might change? Similar to Joan, I know Joan is an association, but our our company represents over between 200 to 300 meetings a year. For 2019, before coronavirus hit, we already had over 200 meetings on the books to operate in the year for the year. Associations, corporations, pharmaceuticals, um, Smurf organizations, lots of corporate training, some incentives, they're all being reinvented. And for the associations, you know, pretty much their meeting calendar stays the same year after year. And as Lisa says, they're money makers. So we're trying to see, um, we're seeing a lot of associations recreating their fundraisers or their annual meetings and try to do, try to reinvent it. There's only so much that can be done through virtual meetings and especially associations, they just yearn for that in-person contact. Um, because that's how they raise money is through the relationships. So in regards to new meetings, it seems like our clients are just focusing on how can they combine two meetings into one meeting. They've lost a meeting for 2020. 
It would be a same meeting they would have for 2021. Can they make that meeting larger? Can they reinvent it? Um, and also something Joan said, for any new opportunities that we do have, we are struggling getting a response from the hotels. So many organizations have furloughed up to 90% of their employees and sales department and the people that they've left behind in the sales department truly don't know how to sell or to even respond to an RFP. I've had directors of sales, directors of sales and marketing tell us they don't know how to operate Delphi and can we wait four weeks for their sales team to come back so that they can bid on a meeting that we sourced for October. And what happens? We find a hotel that can bid and we start working with them. So it's a catch-22 and we're just in this holding pad pattern. I have a RFP ready to go one morning. The next morning I'm told to hold off on it. Similar to what Joan said, they are seeing these rates. Um, half the clients want to lock down something now before the rates even increase more. Others are scared to lock down that rate now and want to see if the rates go on a fire sale. So it's truly, again, just a wait and see. But I also agree with everybody. It's, you know, the more we can communicate, the more we are flexible, the more we are just creative at this point, um, I think the better we will be. Well, that's fascinating. You touched on a lot of things. One is that you are potentially making your decision about what hotel you choose by virtue of fact of getting a response from a hotel. That's Absolutely. very interesting. Secondly, with you know, you hear so much about like October, November kind of being packed and first part of 21, there's not a lot of availability. But yet at the same time, we hear from meeting professionals that they're not 100% sure about October, November. And so that's the really the point of inflection that I think we all need to pay attention to, whereby as things, it's a very fluid process. So as people interpret what is going to happen in the third and fourth quarter, corporations, media event planning companies, associations are making adjustments. And it's important that we're, we're all in tune to that because that's going to dictate everything from pricing to availability and so forth. So for sure, visibility is a commodity we all need and is a, our greatest challenge at the moment. So thank you. Back to Hawaii, understanding uh, that Hawaii is going through this very challenging time with air travel and it's significantly impacted. Do you see any kind of green shoots coming out of the ground of things that are promising for the balance of the year, 21 or beyond? Cheryl. We do, actually. Um, we are seeing a lot of pent-up demand on the leisure side, especially. You know, consumers are dreaming about travel right now and where they're going next. And I know I dream about it a lot um, in terms of where my next trip is going to be. Um, from, a, from a group perspective, again, the airlines are phasing in their approach back to the island. And so what we're seeing is a return of air flights coming in. Um, that have been suspended over the last you know month or so. So um, starting in mid-June, we'll see um, many of the airlines, the first is more focused on the local market. Um, and, and Hawaiian Airlines, as an example, is, is adding back in a lot of uh, inter-island flights, which will be good, and then followed by a more regional approach. So the West Coast is the largest market. Um, in North America for uh, Hawaii. So um, we're starting to see scheduled um, emerge from lot, more flights from Los Angeles and San Francisco, Seattle, uh, Phoenix, 
and then it'll go national from there. And so as we get a little mm -hmm. bit closer to July and early July, um, we'll start to see a return of flights nationally. As far as international goes, again, it's 50% of our business here on Oahu. What's interesting is many of the large operators that bring that business to us um, have suspended their operations. They're not operating groups. They're not operating package tours. And as a result, of course, there's no demand for the airline. So we will see um, airlines like Japan Airlines start um, service back into the market in the first uh, the first part of July, as well as ANA and some of the other you know Korean airlines and, and that. So um, those are the green shoots for us. Once the airlines uh, start flying, then the hotels will be able to open their doors. Right now, Alohilani Resort was scheduled to open on May 16. Uh, that has been delayed now until the 1st of July. Uh, because again, there's just, you know, there's less than on a given day, we have 30,000 arrivals into Hawaii. Right now we have less than 500 and of those less than 100 are visitors, which we can, you know, completely understand. So as soon as those flights come in, um, you'll start to see the hotels start uh, opening. So mid-June to uh, early July will be, Excellent. you know, our, our plan right now. Certainly, the amount of variables that you have to consider in Hawaii are certainly much different than mainland for the source of the business that comes there, uh, how people get there, and the safety factor. So very, very interesting. Thank you for sharing that. Lisa, can you tell us about the rebooking process at Caesars that you have in place? Uh, you know, it sounds like most of your events are getting rebooked, and, but, you know, we learned from Joan that, and, and James that um, there are definitely some challenges with new business opportunities, but what are you seeing on the new business front at Caesars? I would say on the new business front, those customers who were already down a design map or a strategy map that was kind of in progress, kind of reevaluated, made sure that this was still in line with what their organization was looking to accomplish, and they are signing new contracts. We, um, I'm happy to say, and thus the reason my entire team is still working, knock on wood, is that we are signing more new contracts, then we've had cancellations. So that's a very positive thing uh, from an employment and a customer service standpoint. The new business we're being very flexible with as well, because I think what we're seeing is that whether a customer rebooked or has a new contract coming in, they want to be assured that if they thought they were going to have an event for a thousand people and they don't know what they don't know yet from the standpoint of the impact of COVID on their meeting attendees' willingness to travel, uh, their personal security and confidence around hitting the road and being in meeting spaces with greater than 50 people. These are all things that um, our customers are trying to dissect and figure out. And some organizations, you know, are a little bit more aggressive with their modeling than others. But um, I think the other side of the coin is that they're trying to reimagine what those spaces look like. I know we're going to talk a little bit later about the health and sanitation policies and procedures that both the client and the facilities, um, the suppliers are looking to deliver, but that's going to impact it. So a typical conversation right now with the customers who are on the books or booking new contracts, it's okay, well, historically, I would need 10,000 square feet of uh, 10,000 square feet of space. But frankly, I don't know from my pickup, whether 10,000 square feet is the right number, new guidelines around health and sanitation. So Yes, we're booking a lot of new business. It, you know, it, it is slower at times just because 
obviously customers have a lot on their plates and the people who sign their contracts internally have other priorities and may not be as focused on on new you know financial obligations via contracts but we are progressing forward and we're seeing more of it than cancellations and we're just doing it under the guise that we're going to be flexible partners and work with them as we all try to figure this out together mike why don't you tell us what you're seeing at teneo well, we're keeping the team fully intact and really doing, well, staying close to our clients. I think we, we've always focused on the relationships that we have. And so we're staying very, very close to our clients, uh, more from a collaboration standpoint with kind of no hard selling, but just really trying to understand kind of what they're sensing, how we can help them and so forth. And from our standpoint, the first thing is that we've had a lot of things that have been sourced over the, the course of time, whether it's two or three years ago or two or three months ago. And so what we're finding is the high majority of those events are still taking place. We, we had an exceptional booking month in the month of March. We've done the same thing in the month of April, and we think May is, uh, we're off to a phenomenal start there. But those are things that have been in that sales funnel for quite a while. So the good news is that, especially for outer years, that that business is continuing. On the new event front, you know, that is our challenge. And we're finding pretty much exactly what Joan and James said, is that clients right now are pulled in so many directions. One direction is they're trying to rebook their events. The other direction is they're trying to bring their staffs back. They're trying to look at even the non-meetings part of their world to try to bring that back to normalcy. Then for many corporations, they're trying to read the mind of what senior leadership wants to do. And, and let's not forget that in many organizations, there have been furloughs with meeting planners and so forth. And so it's been kind of equally challenging for us to connect to all the right people because we're in the state of a flux right now. But, you know, I think the good news is that every day we see something more positive happening and that is translating to positive things on our business front. So we're optimistic in that regard. Thank you, Lisa. I'm going to flip it right back to James Daniels. And I'm curious, James, as a person with your experience, uh, both on the hotel side, the national sales side, and, you know, the meeting planning side and the entrepreneurial side, person that's actually owned the business and owned it for the amount of time that you have. So you've seen a lot of different angles of this thing. And I'm just curious, in absence of an actual vaccine or cure for, for COVID-19, what do you think you and your clients really want to see from hotels to give the decision makers and you and your attendees the comfort to come back and, and book meetings? I think the most important thing is something so easy, yet so hard for so many hotels and especially salespeople to do, and that is open, transparent communication. We live in an age where so many hotel salespeople still try to negotiate via email, some via text messaging, and there's so many opportunities right now to simply pick up the phone and talk it out. And it's amazing what can be accomplished with transparency, honesty, timelines, game plans, when you have two people on the phone or you set up a conference call with everybody involved. It just eliminates the back and forth. It eliminates people misinterpreting the emotions behind something in an email. And I think we really need to empower 
the salespeople and also encourage the planners to really just pick up the phone and work together and talk things out. In regards to the second thing, I think flexibility, flexibility both on the hotel side, both on the planner and also on the planner side. Um, so many people are saying we have to operate in the new normal and I really don't like that term and I'm going to tell you why. Um, every day in this industry is new. It's been new after 9-11, it's been new after um, the swine flu. We had to learn to, re -op to operate differently and we're in the hospitality industry. There is nothing normal about this industry. So we can't say that it's a new normal because it's never been normal. We are reinventing ourselves every single day. So I think now more than ever, let's collaborate. Let's reinvent the meeting. Let's reinvent the experience. Um, we're now sending out RFPs that instead of two per six foot that would make hotels roll their eyes and groan, it's now one per six foot. Um, and back to kind of what Lisa said with the amount of meeting space, our clients just don't know. Do they need 1,000 now square feet? Do they need 2,000 square feet? Do they need a general session of 10,000? Do they need 20,000? Oh my God, we have exhibits. Where are we gonna put these exhibits? How do we incorporate virtual speakers now? Because what we're finding, the talent we're hiring, they don't wanna to come to meetings. They don't want to come. Their agents, their managers aren't letting them come. So we have to incorporate a virtual element for that speaker to come in. So we're reinventing it. Um, and then finally, just in regards to health, I think our what we're seeing our clients and our attendees and our leaderships, they're not fearful of going into a destination thinking, oh my gosh, I'm going into a hot spot. Or, oh my gosh, I'm going into Las Vegas where a billion strangers have played slot machines and eaten at a buffet. They're not fearful of going to the venue. What they're fearful of, how they're going to get there and where the attendees are coming from and not knowing what these thousands of strangers are bringing with them to the actual meeting. So I think we're employing a lot of best practices in alignment with what the hotels are offering. Um, a lot of our companies are hiring, um, hiring nurses to be on call during their event, not necessarily because they think a nurse will save a person's life, but because it, it increases a sense of security. If there is someone there doing temperature checks or if um, attendee one or attendee two is just not feeling well, there's a nurse right outside the general session they can go speak to. It's more of a perception thing. So I think when hotels start partnering with us and start creating some of these ideas themselves, I think that's, what's, um, that's what our clients want to see to move forward. That is a fascinating answer because on many levels. And I, I think what's what's really interesting about it is sometimes at the hotel sales level and at different levels in our industry, you know, we rely because of the volume of business on texting and emails. And, and you know, we have different generations of sales professionals out there that have grown up with different ways to communicate. 
And what you're really saying is, let's open up the lines of communication. Let's talk on a one-on-one basis, live, and let's have that discussion in a very collaborative way so that we can figure this thing out together. And if we're able to do that, then that's going to give a lot more confidence to the meeting planner because they're going to be able to understand what's going on at that property level from more dimensions than just maybe what can be read in an email. Plus, you get your answers answered, and from an efficiency standpoint and a communication standpoint, it's a much stronger way to do it. So that's fascinating. I think it's uh, we're all encouraged by how hotels are stepping up, and it's, I think it's also fascinating to understand that what clients are doing on their side with nurses and with protocols and with travel and things like that, so where the hotel community meets the client community and the company is where there's going to be significant best practices and ways to bring meetings back to to our industry. So that's um, really appreciate that answer. Lisa, can you tell us kind of what Caesars is doing to bring meetings back? Absolutely. So we have had a consulting firm that we hired at the end of February to guide us through this. We have epidemiologists on staff. Obviously, we're looking at the competitive landscape to see best practices from other gaming and hospitality organizations. Any hospitality or casino organization that has operations in Asia has now solid experience with the reopening process and what it looks like. So, you know, Caesars is working in a theoretical place right now with our buildings being closed and we're planning very diligently but we can look across we can look across the Pacific Ocean and say there are casinos that have already reopened and what are they experiencing and I think this is going to continue to evolve there's no such thing as like the new normal because we're all going to work together to be proactive to try to think things out about how we achieve our goals and service our customers in a safe and meaningful way that's going to evolve because our customers are going to come back and say that worked or didn't work for me and or vice versa. We can share best practices with our customers. Again, having 15,000 events across a year across our properties and our destinations, we'll be able to share proactively with customers who haven't arrived yet to say, here's what the original plan was, but we've executed that on a group of 50, you know, 500 and 5,000. And depending on the scale and what you're trying to achieve as an organization, here's how we're tweaking it. So, you know, we certainly have guidelines, Mike. We haven't we haven't posted everything for public consumption yet. We've used it on a one-on-one basis because it's not just about the meeting space. It's also the number of slot machines that are touched and the concerts you go to and the mega restaurants that, that we have in these properties. These properties are small cities. So we have to think <laughs> about it and somewhat like Cheryl's properties in Hawaii, not everybody has to get here via air, but everybody that comes here comes from somewhere. This is not like a New York, San Francisco, or Chicago, where you have that backyard where you might draw 20% of your folks. So we we are working on that. We're watching what all the airlines are doing. We're looking at and capacity levels will impact the size of meetings with customers. We're doing everything we can, like James said, to diagram and provide visual planning around what does one per six look like? What does the new food service look like? What do queue lines look like for an exhibitor or 
or a registration desk. So we're mapping a lot of that out. And then I suspect after the first 30, 60, 90 days of actually executing sizable meetings, we'll come back out to our uh, customers arriving in the future to say, these are our learnings. And I'm sure they'll have learnings themselves from colleagues that we can all just collaborate and talk out and figure this out. But it's going to continue to evolve. There's no right or wrong answer here. It's going to create, it's going to be trial. And what I beg for is we're willing to try. We're going to look for that customer organization who is open to being the first, because I think that's where we run the risk is customers who just say, I'm ready to meet. I just don't want to be the first one. (laughs) So we, we have to find ways to work with some organization out there to be the first. And really the industry needs to get around them so that they don't feel like they're on this diving board alone, that we're all out there to help support them and the risks that they feel like they're about to take on by being the first. Excellent. I think we're all saying that once we get a little bit of positive momentum and some examples of exceptional meetings without issues, that that is going to be kind of a gold standard that can go across the industry. So I think you're right on the money. We're now soliciting from over 300 different member hotels their standards and and really trying to figure out what each individual hotel is doing. It's remarkable how every hotel is really embracing this looking at all the different best practices, and then also doing what's kind of smart for them. What might work for Caesars may not work for another hotel. And so hotels that are really embracing this, which pretty much all of them that I have seen are, is really what's going to set the pace well into the future. So Joan, back to you with a question. I'm curious, if you were planning an event for the fourth quarter, understanding what attendees' concerns are, how would you alter your room sets, your F&B events, AV? I mean, you've, you've been a meeting planner, meeting professional for a good amount of time. And I'm just curious what your expectation is and what you would do. I think this would be great for other planners and professionals to know. You're not going to like my answer. I you know, probably watched too much news this weekend, but for our product, I can't see any point in going and trying to do a conference where you're one per six, you can't embrace people, you can't stand close enough to, you know, have a good conversation. There's just so much to it that is the opposite of why we meet. I can see Mm -hmm. a board meeting or a meeting of 20 or, or workshop even, and we have hundreds of those that you can sit one per six and and you could accomplish what you need to accomplish and people would be compelled to go, if anything, to get out of the house. But for our regular conferences, until there is something that can help you get sick, that can help cure it, or can determine if you have the antibodies to not get sick. I mean, it's going to have to be something pretty strong like that for us to really be comfortable with having a full conference. Now, would we consider a hybrid? Yes, we are looking at hybrid opportunities. But, you know, we were talking today, I was talking to some of our leadership today, and the sponsorships and the exhibitors are very important to the revenue stream. And if the people aren't there, they're not going to get what they're paying for. And of course, we are finding that, again, with the virtual meetings, that we are being able to create certain revenue streams and it'll never replace in-person meeting. But for now, it's going to have to. That's interesting. There's certainly a lot of different issues out there that are 
that people are deciding on whether or not to have a meeting and what the virtual component is, what that is, you know. And at the same time, science is trying to catch up with everything that is taking place today. And when we ask planners this question, it really runs the gamut of what their organization is like and what type of organization they are, who their attendees are, and what their comfort level is. So, James, knowing what Joan said, what is your feedback on that same question? Um, We still have some meetings that are moving forward for the summer. They are associations that are using these meetings as revenue-producing events. One is at a property in Atlanta, and it would be a complete buyout normally. So we've had to reinvent this meeting now that we are, instead of 300 people classroom style and 300 guest rooms, uh, the hotel came back to us and said, based on the guidelines, even with us being open, we cannot execute this meeting per the contract. So together we've reinvented the meeting. We know that attendance will be down. We know that we no longer can have buffets and general session for all of these attendees. So it's a matter of looking into a crystal ball at this point and trying to determine what is our pickup now? How do we do a general session one per six foot? Do we utilize other rooms to simultaneously stream the speaker into those rooms? Who is going to absorb the cost of doing that? The hotel, the association, are we going to meet in the middle for it? So there's still so so many questions that we're trying to find answers. Reinventing the food and beverage, we're trying to come up with something similar to room service, where the attendee can select their breakfast, lunch, and possibly dinner, and it is a creative meal box that is put together and delivered either to their room or to a different area, similar to an Uber Eats drop-off. The ability of letting the hotels allow us to, for once, bring outside food and beverage into their facility, which in the past, hotels have said, absolutely not. Now we're finding absolutely do it if if it means your attendees will come here. So I think it's just being flexible, talking about it, keeping in mind that it could be moving forward as a yes today on Friday. It could be a no, and we need more options. And to also just realize we're all going to make mistakes. We're all the guinea pigs here. We're all going to make mistakes. We're going to have some successes, both on the planner side and the hotel side, and just try to learn from the ones at hand to make the next event even better. But especially for quarter four, any new opportunities, we really need flexibility from the hotels. We need experienced salespeople who think outside the box, who are looking at a bigger picture in regards to revenue and not just revenue for quarter four. Our clients want to work with partners and not just revenue hoggers. And I'm seeing that more and more, our clients and our organization. We're partial to the organizations that are being creative, that are wanting to work with us, wanting to be flexible, and are coming up with just some amazing ideas. Because at the end of the day, we want to keep our attendees healthy, the hotels want to keep their staff members healthy, and we want to have a successful program. We don't want to be the guinea pig that is all over the national news that forced their attendees to go to this meeting and look at what a disaster it was. No one wants to be that guinea pig. 
Excellent. Well, that's a good point. You know, I'm glad you said that because I think hotels are in a situation where they're really trying to get their business back. And I think when you have clients that are willing and and interested in getting creative and being collaborative, it's a new day and age. We're not in the same market that we were even a couple months ago. So I'm very optimistic. I'm seeing amazing things across our dealings with clients and members where great ideas are coming together. And it's through those great ideas that trust is won. So appreciate those comments. And in absence of cures and vaccines, the new norms of what is happening is very interesting. And again, to your point, changing every minute. Since we talked a little bit already about virtual events, I'm going to bring it over to Cheryl real quick and ask her, at Alohilani and the rest of the Hawaii hotels that you worked with, what exactly are you guys doing to think about how you're catering to food and beverage events, welcoming guests and et cetera, so that you can begin to get the confidence back to groups and meetings? Yeah, so as Lisa mentioned, similar to Caesars, we hired a consultant to help us develop the SOPs and and the duty of care, which actually today our customers are asking for. So we are creating, it's very operationally focused right now, but we're creating a a customer-friendly version of it that we can send when, when it is requested. So we will be ready with that within the next week or so. We're now focused on the food and beverage and meeting set delivery. And going back to what James said earlier, it really is about creating, innovating, and collaborating with each of our customers to maintain as much flexibility, to understand what the customers are looking at in terms of this area, as well as being prepared with creative ideas and solutions. So as you know, here in Hawaii, luau's and outdoor receptions are are very, very popular. And so James, as you said earlier, the days of the buffet are long gone. So we're collaborating with our expert team of executive chefs and we're very fortunate that we have Iron Chef Morimoto operates a restaurant here. And so really collaborating with him also on what we can do. So, you know, things like more action stations with individual vessels that are served uh, to the customer by our team within their, their safety PPE on. Individualized servings, you know, that are guests can grab from a palm tree or from a decorative wall that, again, are safe and closed so that no, there's no fear of other people touching what's laid out for our guests. Our meetings and diagram sets are all uh, in the process of being redone based on the, on the new rules. It really, it means that we will be able to accommodate half the number of people, roughly, that we've been able to accommodate in the past. And so I'm going to use actually a creative solution that uh, we had with one of our Taneo customers, our mutual customers, Philip. Alohilani is, it was not big enough for their initial program with us. And so we did come up with a plan uh, that I think goes back to what Joan and James said earlier that was a combination of live and virtual we had um, several spaces throughout the hotel. Uh, one was where the live speaker was with the appropriate amount of people, and then we had other rooms set up with a virtual um, presentation. And those speakers rotated among the rooms throughout the conference. So we were able to accomplish accommodating a group that was larger 
than we could do all at once in one room. And so we're taking that best practice and applying it to the future. Also for the large incentive programs, we've looked at a few that are currently on the books that are larger than what we can do now based on the new SOPs and requirements. So proactively approaching the customers with a solution to do two back-to-backs or three back-to-backs and, and making making it easy to do that by connecting all the dots with the airlines, with the space, other venues that are available in Hawaii. We have the third largest ballroom in the state here, but again, outdoor space is very popular and there are a lot of locations nearby that we could change. And again, being flexible with not necessarily holding the customer to the food and beverage minimums at this point at the hotel because we can no longer accommodate it. Partnering with our vendors such as PSAV, as well as uh, we work very closely with a company, you may have heard of them, Freshbox, that can deliver individual healthy lunches or breakfasts to a, a meeting room that would be put on, you know, racks within the space so that uh, individuals can grab that on their own. So, again, looking at all kinds of options, we're certainly not there yet, but I do look forward to the time when customers are ready to have those conversations. We will be there with some options, but also we'll learn from each other in terms of what those opportunities might be moving forward. Excellent. Well, Cheryl, that is really an interesting thing, you know, when we talk about giving the confidence to meeting professionals, to organizations, and to executive leadership, that's really what we're talking about. What are the things that hotels are doing, not just to kind of check a box, but to get real, deep, meaningful ideas that create value, trust, and the commitment from the hotel that gives the meeting professional and the organization the confidence necessary to step forward and have a meeting. And at the same time, having components of that done in a virtual environment so that the needs of that organization are met because we know that it's just not a one size fits all. We're gonna wrap it up. I first wanna take a moment to thank our panel for joining this and giving our audience and our stakeholders an opportunity to understand what's the latest and greatest out there, what are some of the best practices, what is the mood, what are we sensing, and what can hotels and clients do? And I think when I reflect on this call and I think about what's actually happening, it really comes in different parts. So we know that for uh, meetings that are in May, most of those are canceled. We know that June and July are still up in the air for many, and that for August in the third and fourth quarter, people are looking for visibility. And as we have these different stages, there's some things that we know. We know that it's gonna be really important for hotels to develop the protocols necessary so that the attendees and the meeting planners and executives within organizations are very confident that health is at the top of the list. At the same time, we move into future years and we're gonna learn a lot about the things that have happened and what we can do as organizations, both clients and members. The other part that's fascinating is working with our partners in our audiovisual in different areas so that that end result of having a healthy meeting that had multiple components in it, kind of never done before, is executed correctly because we know how much is at stake. But at the end, we've learned from the past, as James has said, that our organization is perhaps not normal, that we've always reinvented ourselves. At the crux of what all of us have said, however, it's really about collaboration. Because with collaboration and creativity 
and understanding the needs of each other's organizations, are we able to customize what makes sense for hotels and what makes sense for clients? And we know that this cannot be done in a way that we've ever worked before. We know that we can't do this via texting and emails and, and so forth. We have to do it through video calls and communication and calls with executives, calls with team members that are actually executing events. So that when that planner and those attendees step out of the airplane and they're going to a specific venue, hotel or otherwise, that there is the highest level of confidence that they can have, all things being considered, that the event will go in the healthiest way that it can. So these are definitely different times. And as much as they are scary, they're interesting and exciting. And I wanted to thank the panel for bringing their perspectives to the table today to share with our members and clients. So from Teneo, we'd like to thank you for the time you spent on this panel today. And we're wishing you a very healthy and happy remainder of the week and the year. Thank you for listening. And don't forget to visit TeneoHC.com for the latest and greatest industry information. Cheers, everybody.